Well, we are, uh, we're not going to go to the Psalms tonight. I'm uh, uh, in, a, uh, in the middle of a, uh, a week where I'm, I'm working on a, a paper that needs to be turned in, and it's a paper on crisis in Scripture. I'm finishing up um, my last core class in this program I'm in, and uh, crisis is part of it. And so... I've spent uh, a lot of time over the last several days in the book of Lamentations revisiting some of that material. So we're going to we're going to look at hope tonight, suffering with hope out of Lamentations chapter 3 and remind you of some realities that um, are very helpful, some realities that are necessary um, out of this out of this portion. So Lamentations chapter 3, we won't look at the whole chapter probably, but um, just some some uh, some good reminders. Lamentations, uh, and of course, we were here a year or two ago. Lamentations is a book that that really does highlight the reality of um, suffering for us, the difficulty of suffering, the experience of suffering. It does it in a poetic way, and so sometimes we can miss what's here. And and um, but the the reality is when suffering hits. It can hit in different intensities, but there are many times where it just blindsides us. You may remember this from when we were here before, but chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 4, they all begin with the same word, and and the word is how. How. It's a sense in which Jeremiah is asking, how could this happen? How could this have happened? How will we move on? How will we recover from the devastation of this event? The devastation of our suffering, the heaviness of it all. Well, like I said, the intensity of suffering can vary. This could apply to a bad day at work just as easily as it can apply to you know, Lisa struggling with whether or not she should be at MD Anderson or at Memphis or Sister Ann starting a new intense round of chemo. In a fallen world, those sufferings are not equal, but suffering is suffering. And so one of the things that is necessary if we're going to make it in a world full of pain, a world full of grief, a world full of suffering, one thing that's necessary is hope. It's hope. Really the greatest aspect of our ministry to suffering people is to try to encourage them and strengthen their hope. There's no, we have no control many times, most of the times, over alleviating suffering. We have no control over circumstances. We have no control over those kinds of things. But what we can do for believers is that we can point them to the hope that they have in Christ that they can access in the midst of their suffering. Now, here's a reality that um, it's just a present reality. It doesn't matter... um, doesn't matter what's going on in your life. First Peter chapter five, verse eight says that Satan um, 
Satan uh, wanders around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And one of the things that Satan would love to devour is your hope. I mean, you know this. You know that the reality is, is that Satan has absolutely no control over whether or not you will ultimately reach your final destination in salvation. Satan cannot pluck you from the Father's hand. Satan cannot undo what Christ has accomplished on the cross. But what Satan can do is he can deceive you and he can distract you and he can devour every ounce of hope. He can do more than that, but devour every ounce of hope so that you go through your life in a way that ignores, makes little of, and does not take advantage of the provisions that you have in Jesus Christ. There's no way to alter the fact that we live in a fallen world. That's just a baseline reality. That's a reality for believers and unbelievers. That's the environment in which we live. There's no way to alter the fact that you live out of a heart that is tempted to sin when the pressure's on. No way to alter that. Everybody that walked in here tonight is uh, lives out that reality on a daily basis. And we know that when the pressures of suffering weigh heavy, that it is easy for us to lose sight of the bigger picture. It's easy for us to lose sight of the hope that we have in Christ. And it's easy for us to then run to these false refuges, these false sources of hope, hoping that we can find strength there. So let's, let's get a couple of realities about hope out of Lamentations chapter 3, about hope and suffering and There'll be an encouragement to you and, and maybe even equip you to encourage others. First section in Lamentations 3 that we're going to look at, we're going to look at verses 1 through 20. Verses 1 through 20. And the reality that we see out of this passage is that uh, hope does not ignore or minimize pain and suffering. Hope exists right alongside of pain and suffering. One of the reasons why that's important is because some people have this unbiblical idea that if you're going to be a mature Christian, if you're going to be strong in the faith, then whenever the hard times come, you'll pretend like they're easy. That whenever suffering comes, you'll pretend like you're unaffected by it, that it doesn't bother you. That's not biblical Christianity. Again, the reality is we live in a fallen world and we experience real suffering and Scripture really goes out of its way to acknowledge the suffering that we will experience and the difficulty of that. So as we see the way Jeremiah laments here in Lamentations chapter 3 in these verse, uh, first 20 verses, we see the fact that hope doesn't ignore or minimize pain and suffering. Here we go, starting in verse 1. Jeremiah says, I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me is he turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin 
hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. He hath builded against me and compassed me with gall and travail. He hath set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out and hath made my chain heavy. Also, when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. He hath enclosed my way with hewn stone. He hath made my paths crooked. He was unto me as a bear lying in wait and as a lion in secret places. He hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent his bow and sent me as a mark for the arrow. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. I was a derision to all my people and their song all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Now, this is a pretty depressing portion of Scripture. I mean, if you think about Jeremiah's circumstance here, he's, he's endured a lot of affliction. A lot of this affliction has come from outward circumstances. We know the backdrop of Lamentations. Jeremiah has spent 40 years of his life warning the people to turn, that God's judgment was coming and they didn't turn. And God's judgment did come. And when God's judgment fell on His people, it was worse than Jeremiah could have ever imagined. And here Jeremiah is left looking at the carnage and the wreckage of the nation. And as he's lamenting here, as he's acknowledging his pain, his suffering, his, his, his affliction, you can't get away from the fact that in chapter 3, at the very beginning, Jeremiah is saying, I'm here because God put me here. That can be a difficult pill to swallow. He's saying it feels as if I'm stuck in darkness. It feels as if he's turned his hand against me all the day. It feels as if my prayers have been shut out. I've got this heavy weight around me. My suffering is difficult. My suffering is heavy. My suffering is painful. And when I look out at the landscape, it doesn't look like God's doing much. This is Jeremiah's lament. You know, it's not until we're really ready to come to grips with the realities of our suffering that we can begin to lay hold of the realities of God's hope. You know, God's hope is not for manufactured circumstances. You understand what I mean when I say that? God's hope is not to pump you up and make you feel stronger than you actually are. God's hope is not to make you feel better about yourself or your performance or your abilities. God's hope is not supposed to make you feel like you're a super Christian. 
God's hope is precisely for the fact that whenever you've come to the end of your rope and you've realized the reality that I have nothing left in and of myself to take another step, then the key of hope comes in and it puts wind in your sails so that you can endure, so that you can take another step, so that you can hope in the goodness of God in the midst of the badness of life. And so we see not only in Lamentations 3, but we see this, I mean, even throughout the New Testament, one clear example of it is in Romans chapter 8, in verse 18. Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Paul says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, that's a familiar passage. That's a passage that gives us hope. Sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. That is, that the sufferings that we endure now can't be compared to what Christ has reserved as an inheritance for His people. Can't even be compared, but but I want you to, to notice that verse 18 and the glory that will be revealed in us is completely gutted if our sufferings are no big deal. I mean, the good part of this passage is, is contingent on the bad part being real, the struggle being heavy, The suffering being hard. Paul says one of the things that keeps me going is that the sufferings of this present world, as hard as they are, as difficult as they are to endure, they are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. So Scripture is not ashamed to acknowledge the pain and difficulty that accompanies grief and suffering. Lamentations and Scripture as a whole really sees every struggle as an opportunity to hope. Every struggle that you have is an opportunity to hope in God, to grow in your hope in God. Now, that's not, that's not a very attractive opportunity. Um, to people who are only interested in comfort and ease. But brothers and sisters, the hope of the gospel and the hope that God lays out in Scripture has never, ever been, I'm going to make your present life easy. It's never, ever been, I'm going to heal all your present afflictions. It's never been, I'm going to wipe all of your present tears The hope of the gospel is that one of these days, for those who are in Christ, your redemption will be complete. And Christ is going to return and He's going to set all things right. And on that day, all suffering will cease. The curse of sin will be no more. All tears will be dry. And it's the hope of that day 
that gives us present endurance as we walk through the grief, we walk through the pain, we walk through the suffering. And so when we're talking about hope, we're talking about something as we are, we're talking about a reality that's happening in the future. Now, it's not just based on what will happen at the second coming of Christ, but that's certainly a major part of it. Biblical hope is just simply embracing the reality that God is at work in my current circumstances and He will use them for my good and His glory. Okay, that statement is 100% true 100% of the time for God's people. I don't care what your circumstance is. Life gets difficult. Well, you can hope in the fact that God's working this difficulty out. And He's working in the difficulty for your good and His glory. Now, Again, what is your good? You know, we said a minute ago, God's promise has never been, I'm going to make everything easy for you. So what would it mean for God to work something for your good? Well, it means this. that God is at work in every one of your circumstances seeking to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ, which is His good purpose in salvation, Romans chapter 8, verses 28-29. And so our hope is, is that in the midst of difficulties, God's agenda is not knocked off course. Nothing, as the Romans 8 continues to go on, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Your discouragement can't do that. Your circumstances can't do that. Your afflictions can't do that. Your suffering can't do that. If you're looking to Christ in faith and you're hoping in Him, biblically speaking, you can go through any affliction that the world, the flesh, or the devil can throw at you and be victorious on the other end. But it doesn't mean it's easy doesn't mean that you go through unmoved or unscathed. It means you come out looking more like Christ than you did before you went in. And that's the hope that's presented in Scripture. So, hope does not ignore or minimize pain or suffering. Hope really only exists in the midst of pain and suffering. So I want you to think about that. We've talked about this before, but... I don't think there's a, a, a true Christian alive who wouldn't say, I want to grow in my faith. I want to be able to, to, to trust in the Lord in a way that's more fervent, more strong in the midst of afflictions. Well, that's a, that's a worthy goal. I mean, I think that's something that we would all long for. And here's the reality. That trust is strengthened, that hope is built as you walk through the furnace of affliction. That's how you grow. You see, we're not talking about, and many times we can get this confused, we're not talking about some sort of a cognitive rearrangement in your mind 
think positive thoughts. Okay, that's not hope. Hope is not think positive thoughts. Hope is keep your eye on the greater reality of what God's doing in the midst of your pain and affliction. That's what hope is. It's not ignoring the pain. It's not ignoring the suffering. It's looking through the pain and the suffering and realizing that God has a good purpose waiting for you on the other end of it. That's, that's very different than think positive thoughts. That's keep your eye on God's purposes. So it doesn't ignore, doesn't minimize pain and suffering. <clears throat> it exists within it. Number two, we look at back in Lamentations 3, we look in what's probably the most familiar cluster of verses in this chapter, verses 21 through, or in the book, verses 21 through 24, in the midst of all this difficulty and pain, Jeremiah says in verse 21, this I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. A couple of more realities here. Just as a whole in this section, it's worth noting that hope here, and biblical hope in general, is rooted in a person. Our hope is a person, not some detached outcome. So, um, I hope that makes sense. We're, we're not saying that, you know, it's a, it's a, depending on how you, you mean it, it could be sort of true, but we're not saying, don't worry, everything's going to work out. Okay, that's not hope unless you're thinking about it from, one of these days, you're going to die and wake up in heaven, and then that's true. But if you're thinking about your immediate circumstance, hope is not, don't worry, everything's going to work out, and you won't be messed up or afflicted or, 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 or um, have any long-term struggles that come out of this consequence or that come out of this circumstance, rather. Hope is rooted in a person, and, and, and it's a person who doesn't change, a person who's faithful. You'll notice in verse 21, Jeremiah says, This I recall to mind, and therefore I have hope. Now, this is a very important reality, and the reality is this hope is never accessed by sight, it's always accessed by faith. Notice what Jeremiah says. This I recall to mind. Okay, this, this reality, these realities that I'm getting ready to articulate, it's, it's based on, on who God is and what God's like. And it's not just some abstraction. These are realities that Jeremiah says, I'm embracing these. I'm trusting in these. I'm living off of these. And so I have hope. So again, it's not about what you see. It's about what you know 
and believe. Okay? It's about what you know and believe. This is the kind of hope that endures through disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. This is more than just a quick pick-me-up. This is an eternal sustainer through the afflictions of life. Verses 22 and 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Hope is rooted in the Lord's hesed. We've talked about this a lot in the Psalms. It's in His tender, compassionate, faithful, covenant love. Romans 8, again, we'll turn back there. It's very helpful on this point. Again, our hope is in in God's covenant love toward us. Look in Romans 8, 35-39. Romans 8, 35-39. Where Paul says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword... As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, this is a familiar passage. You know this, you know this passage. Um, if, if we're not careful, we can just kind of read it and just let it roll off. But, but here's the, here's the, the connection. Let's not miss what Paul's saying here. Paul's saying that if we can understand and embrace the extent of God's love, His covenant love, His covenant faithfulness, then we can endure every difficulty that He articulates here and come out on the other side convinced that God is for me. Now that's powerful, isn't it? It means that I can can face the discouragements, the doubts. I can face the tribulations, the distress, the persecutions, the famine, the nakedness, the peril, the sword. I can, this is just a, a way in, in, in which he's clumping together a variety of difficulties, sufferings that we can endure. We can face those things and come out on the other side and even walk through them. Convinced that in this circumstance, God is not trying to crush me. He's for me. Now, on the other side of that, as we go through difficult circumstances, as we face doubts and discouragements, and we begin to to entertain the idea that God is not for me, God is against me here, we have a problem with hope. 
Hope is the deficiency there. Now, I say that just to say the circumstances are the same. You could take the same two people, put them through the same two circumstances, and if one has the kind of hope we're talking about here and the other does not, the experience is entirely different. And so is the outcome. Hope is a powerful thing because hope is rooted in a powerful God who has a powerful love for His people. Verse 24. I'm sorry, go back to Lamentations 3. Lamentations 3, verse 24. Jeremiah says, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul, and therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. I don't think it would be an overstatement to say that Lamentations 3.24 is one of the most important verses in Scripture for us to understand when it comes to hope. And if we don't understand this passage, if we don't understand this verse as it relates to hope, we are setting ourselves up for disappointment because our expectations are set in an unbiblical way. What is Jeremiah saying here in this passage? Well, Jeremiah is saying that the pinnacle of our hope, that is the best of the best, is not that we have inherited God's hand, it's that we've inherited God's heart. The Lord is my portion, Jeremiah says. He doesn't say the Lord is my bellboy. He doesn't say the Lord is my servant. He doesn't say the Lord's blessings are at the disposal of my preference. He says the Lord has given me himself and therefore I have hope. He's given me himself as a companion in the midst of the grief, in the midst of the suffering. Now, I want you to think about how this relates to the message on Sunday morning, this indwelling, abiding of the Holy Spirit, and how much more you and I can say this than what Jeremiah said it. We have the Holy Spirit who's taken up residence in us. He has made us His temple. He abides in us and with us. So that we, like Jeremiah, can say, really in a, in a more enhanced way, he's my portion. He's my inheritance. Okay? You can take away my health, but God is still present with me. He's still a present help in time of need. You can take away my possessions, but God is still my portion. You can take away my comfort. You can, you can put me in very difficult circumstances. And the pain is real, but the hope is real as well. Because the Lord is present in the midst of those circumstances. And He's my portion. You know, the greatest gift that you have ever been given as a believer is fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. Now, many times we just kind of take that as a given. Lamentations 24 says, if you have that, you have it all. 
The Lord is my portion. He's given me, brought me into fellowship with the Father through Christ. He has filled me with His Spirit which abides in me so that I have access to comfort, to all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, no matter the circumstance. And so hope is rooted in a person. It's rooted in a relationship with the person of God through Christ. And so, brothers and sisters, that's one of the reasons why biblical Christianity, biblical Christianity stands on the fact that outside of life in Christ, we live in a dead and dying world that has no reason to hope in anything. Does that sound cruel? It's not. It's just reality. The hope is not that we're going to fix ourselves or somehow things are going to just get better on their own. The hope is that as a sinner who also experiences suffering in a fallen world, I've been brought into relationship with the Holy Trinity and I've been given provisions that are beyond me so that as I experience the suffering and the pain that's normal in a fallen world, I have accesses to resources that give me endurance to be able to see purpose in the midst of the pain. To be able to find endurance in the midst of the weakness. To be able to find hope in the midst of the darkness. So we'll end our time there with this reality that we have been given hope that exists in the midst of pain and suffering and that is rooted in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we are thankful for the light that You give us in Scripture so that we know the inheritance that we've received. And Father, we're thankful that You have told us, You've made it clear that You've given us Yourself so that as we go through those difficult trials, as we go through the, the, uh, the pains and the uh, uh, unexpected um, uh, just gut punches that we find in the world that we live in, that You're with us, that You don't forsake us, that You strengthen us, that you give us a reason to hope that you are continuing to accomplish and fulfill the purposes that you have set out for us before the world began and that you're using every circumstance, every pressure as a tool to conform us into the image of your son. And so, Father, I pray that you would bless us to be able to lay hold of that hope as we walk through the rest of this week as we have opportunity to minister to others. Father, I pray that we would um, hold on to this reality. In Jesus' name, amen.